I'll read from the NIV in front of me. So. Story of the rich young man. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother, and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then the disciples, uh, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. I think I'll uh, save the notice about camp uh, for, for the end, uh, just as we've got that straight uh, in our minds right now. Let's, um... Let's pray to start with anyway. Father in heaven, we, we thank you, Lord, um, that you're a great God. We thank you for being able to worship you and praise your name. And we thank you for the songs we've been able to sing today that, that talk about Jesus, who is our Lord and our shepherd, the one who leads us and guides us. And that is what we're going to be talking about a little bit today as well. So we thank you for this message. Ask, Lord, that uh, it would help us to understand some of the fundamental doctrines of our faith um, so that we can be well grounded in what we believe in. So we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. My original intention was to talk about uh, what people want in life um, and how some of those things, such as the love of money, uh, can get in the way of following Jesus. And certainly it's true that there are many things that can get in the way of our walk with Jesus. In the case of this young man, it was the love of money that was stopping him from following Jesus. Uh, for others of us, it, it could be different things. It could be um, a person who stands between us and Jesus. Or it might be just the, um, the fear of what people will think that stops us from following Jesus. Um, or it could be that we're just so obsessed by social media or computer games or something else that Jesus has no part in our life. And certainly we could have looked at, at that today. Um, However, I'd like to look at this uh, passage from the perspective 
of the disciples, as that's what we've been doing in recent weeks. Um, oh, you know what? I'm just going to grab this. Okay. Um, yeah, great. Um, and I'd like to look at this, uh, the passage in the perspective of the, the disciples, which is what we've been doing. Um, and we're going to discuss the doctrine of salvation. Um, we seldom look at doctrine in sermons, and yet doctrine is fundamental to our faith. And... Um, yeah, it's actually quite important. Maybe it seems like it's, it's not as dramatic as other things that we could hear in a sermon, but it is important. And from the Jewish theological perspective of the, um, the disciples, this young man, this rich young man, had the right, right profile to, be, um, to have eternal life. That's what he wanted. He asked what do I have to do to have eternal life? And he said what he'd done, and they thought, well, that's pretty good, actually. Um, he'd kept the commandments. Um, he was successful. He was probably someone who had given um, money to the poor. Um, he was an all-round good citizen. Surely he qualified for entry into heaven. And if he didn't, who did? And that was the question that was being asked here, wasn't it? When the disciples heard, they, they heard this exchange, this conversation between Jesus and the young man. You know, they were just kind of onlookers. And then based on what Jesus said to this young man, and based also on the teaching that he gave to them afterwards, how difficult it is to get into the kingdom of heaven, they said, who then can be saved? And they were undoubtedly thinking about themselves to a certain extent. Because here you have this successful young man, and then they look at themselves, they're kind of fishermen, so kind of from the lower uh, layers of society, I suppose. And not only that, but... Um, that, you know, we can see from these disciples that they had all kinds of character weaknesses. Malik and I have some uh, non-believer friends, um, and they were somewhat similar to this young man. Uh, they're nice people, they're, they're friendly, they have great personalities, they're, they're successful, um, they show hospitality, um, you know, and sometimes they end up thinking, you know, actually, they are better than me in, in so many ways. Um, surely they should qualify for salvation, perhaps even before myself. Let's see if this works. You hold it the wrong way, it goes backwards instead of forwards. <laughs> Thanks much. Okay. Um, 
So Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Okay. So he's saying, it's not only difficult, it's actually impossible to earn um, eternal life. When Jesus looks at you, the way he looked at them, you realize that it's time to listen intently because he's going to change your perspective on something that you thought you knew about. Here Jesus is saying it's not only difficult for rich people to get into the kingdom, it's impossible. And not only for rich people, but for everybody, because everybody is a mortal. It doesn't matter how good you are or how hard you try. It doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. It doesn't matter whether you're successful or a loser. It doesn't matter whether you have plenty of friends or no friends. It doesn't matter whether you're brilliant or you have learning difficulties. It doesn't matter if um, you have good emotional intelligence or whether you have mental health difficulties. We are all in the same boat. Through our own efforts, no one can be saved. And this was definitely a, a paradigm shift for the disciples. Jesus' teaching represented a whole new perspective on salvation. And it's the same way today. Because most religions consider that if you do good things, then you can aspire to a higher status in the next life. We call that karma. And it just seems like a reasonable and logical thing to do. You know, you do good in this life, you will get your reward in the next life. And that's what the rich young man believed as well when he said, what good deed, what good behavior or what good work must I do to have eternal life? Salvation is an easy enough doctrine to understand, but it's a very difficult one to accept. We have this idea that if someone works hard, they should be rewarded. That was the whole American dream. All these immigrants to America, they thought... Here I can be successful. If I work hard, I will be able to have my house with a white picket fence and all, all those things. Um, and it's a reasonable thing to think for salvation as well, I suppose. If I try to be a good person and do good to everyone around me, then surely God will let me into his kingdom. We can slip into that way of thinking. The Apostle Paul explains this enigma in Romans chapter 9 and 10. And these are the chapters that we're going to look at. But they are actually really challenging. I'm going to skip over some of those challenges uh, because that would require us talking about God's sovereignty. Um, and um, we just don't have time for that today. So let's go to Romans chapter 9 and read verses 1 to 4. Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. 
Um, the Apostle Paul was a really patriotic man, and we see that earlier in his life, um, how he fought for his religion and, his, and what he thought was defending his people. Um, but here he recognizes that his people, the people um, of Israel, are cut off from Christ. And he's at the point where he'd almost say, well, look, I'd prefer to be cut off myself so that they could be saved. And we continue... Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenant, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. When you see that list of, you could call them qualifications of Israel, God's chosen people, you could say they've got everything going for them and their CV, if I can talk in terms of CV, should go to the top of the pile of those who are going to qualify for the kingdom of God. They should be the ones that get shortlisted. Shouldn't they be the ones who are chosen? After an explanation about God, how God chose the patriarchs in the Old Testament... And, in fact, if you notice in the Old Testament, normally what happened, it was the eldest son who was handed the, the birthright, uh, the inheritance of the father. But notice that when God chose the patriarchs, often he wouldn't choose the first son, the eldest son. He'd choose the second one. He was doing things, actually, that didn't seem to be fair. So in verse 16, Paul summarizes it this way. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. The rich young man, he desired to have eternal life. He said, what must I do? What effort must I deploy in order to get eternal life? And Paul is saying, sorry folks, it doesn't work that way. It depends purely on God's mercy. It brings us back to that idea that for mortals it is impossible. And it's hard to accept. Who then can be saved? Which was what the apostles said earlier. And it was a valid um, question. They were absolutely astounded by Jesus' teaching. And we are asking that same question this morning. So in verse 30, it says, What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. So these people, the Gentiles, which basically represents all of us and, and most of, let's say, the non-Jewish population, we didn't necessarily seek God we didn't try to earn salvation by doing all kinds of good things and keeping perfectly the law of God. And it's handed to us on a plate. A righteousness that is received just by believing. But the people of Israel, who pursued the law as the way of righteousness, have not attained their goal. 
Remember the rich young man said, I've kept all those commandments. I've kept the Ten Commandments. But they have not attained their goal by keeping the law. Why not? Because they pursued it, not by faith, but as if it were by works, as if they could just get it by continuing to work just that little bit harder. That reminds me of um, uh, when I was learning to water ski. How many of you know how to water ski? A few of you. Okay, cool. All right. I can tell you, for some people, it's really easy. They get up first time. Who got up first time? I hate you. (laughs) Okay. It's not like that that happened for me. What happened was uh, my friend said, look, this is what you do. You crouch down, keep the ski tips out of the water, and make sure you keep your arms straight because the boat will pull you out of the water. Now, seems easy enough. But in my logic, I needed to pull myself up. So each time he started, I would pull in my arms and try and pull myself up. And the the effect of pulling myself up is my skis flew away and I ended on my bottom in the water. And he kept repeating, saying, keep your arms straight. Let the boat do the job. And I would just do the same old thing again and again and again. And unfortunately, that is what the people of Israel were doing. Jesus was saying, it's by faith that you will be counted righteous. Let God do the work for you. And I said, no, 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 we have to keep the laws a little bit better and and do this and do that, and we'll make it eventually. And they continued to fall and to stumble. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Who can tell me who the stumbling stone is? Anyone like to shout it out? Who's the stumbling stone? Jesus Jesus is the stumbling stone. (laughs) Sorry about that, Naomi. Jesus is the stumbling stone. As it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. But that is a rock that the poor Israelites could not get over. They could not accept that simple uh, way to salvation. We go now into uh, a few verses in chapter 10. So it's just the same... um, Dialogue continues. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. He wants it with all his heart. And he prays for that. And look, we may have friends and family that are in the same situation. They are unsaved. They could be good people or they could be downright sinners. Uh, We're all sinners anyway, but some people don't recognize it. Um, 
But we also can follow Paul's prayer and pray for those people because we know that the prayer of a righteous person avails much. And we are righteous. Why? Because we have that faith in Jesus. We have accepted what others find to be too simple. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Uh, you see even in Jerusalem today at the Wailing Wall, these Orthodox Jews, what they're dressed in, uh, how they wear their hair, and they're there uh, continually offering prayers uh, and bowing their heads backwards and forwards and uh, scrupulous about how they keep the Sabbath day. Um, they might not even use a, um, you know, an elevator to get to their apartment. They're not going to turn on the lights with a light switch, you know, they, I mean, they're trying their hardest to be perfect. But Paul says it is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Again, it's like the person who's trying to pull himself up on skis. I just uh, summarize these two verses together. But the righteousness that is by faith says, The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. What do we use our mouth for? Anyone help me with that? Speak. To speak. And what do we use our heart for? Slightly more complicated. To be believe if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved there's the simplicity of this gospel and you might say oh, I already knew that Well, maybe you did but what about those times when this idea comes into your mind well if I died tomorrow would God accept me into his kingdom? Would he, what, have I done enough to get there? Uh, how do I stand in terms of obedience? See, we can very uh, insidiously have these thoughts creep into our mind that maybe we wouldn't be saved after all. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so there are these two things. There's a heart that shows what we believe, and many of us are believers. But there's also the mouth that professes our faith. And there are different ways that we do that. We do that by our life, which is a light to others. We do that um, by speaking to others in evangelism. And we do that also in baptism. The denomination of, um, of Baptists have the ceremony of baptism, baptism by water immersion, where you go down into the water that symbolizes the death of Jesus and are brought out of the water that symbolizes the resurrection of Jesus. 
And this is a public confession to all those people who are watching that we are a follower of Jesus. And if you consider yourself to to be a believer but are not baptized, then you might want to consider doing that um, as a public confession of your faith. And I'm sure Steve Dunn would be happy to sit down with you and to let you know, well, what does it mean, actually, to have faith in Jesus? Because it's easy to say, oh, Jesus is Lord, and to not actually recognize what that represents. Um, And perhaps the rich young man didn't recognize what it meant to follow Jesus. Jesus is Lord, as we sang earlier in, uh, what was it about, uh, Jesus is my shepherd, or something like that? Well, shepherd leads the sheep. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And so uh, a a chat with uh, Steve Dunn prior to baptism can help us to know those things. So that, my friends, is the doctrine of salvation. I don't know if we have any people here of... Oh, we'll just finish the last verses. As Scripture says, anyone who believes... In him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we may not be Jews, but we are certainly Gentiles. And regardless of whether we are Maori, Pākehā, Um, Cambodian, Chinese, Indian, or any other race, this all applies to us. Salvation is there for us. This is what it means to call upon the name of Lord and receive His generosity, to be richly blessed in Him, to receive freely, without laws and without works, the promise of eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for salvation. It, It seems too simple to be true, and yet it is. We know that Jesus is our Lord, and we know that the load that, or the burden that he puts upon us is light. Not like um, those Israelites who are heavily burdened by laws and and the thought of all the works that they must do. No, Lord, if we do works, it's because we are saved. It's not in order to be saved. So we thank you for this free gift of eternal life that you offer us. So we ask you, Lord, to help us to really understand that, not only in its simplicity, but also when we have to um, battle thoughts that maybe want to trip us up in terms of the idea that we need to to earn more, do more, obey more. We thank you, Lord, that we do not need to be continually worried about those thoughts. So we thank you for this doctrine and all those um, doctrines that help us to know Jesus better and to follow him. And thank you in Jesus' name.